Surprising no one, this film that has just recently come out, titled Slumberland, with Jason Momoa, sort of sees him getting into a sort of more playful role. Now, is it a playful role that does him justice? To me, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say that this movie is not worth sitting through. I'm not going to say that this isn't a movie that Jason Momoa doesn't do a tremendously great job in. I'm just going to say that this is a great movie, and it's a great movie that you might only really need to watch once. Not going to say that this is going to be a movie you might repeat unless you're somebody who understands where it sort of derives from. Now, if you're like me and you go into this movie blind just because it's the most recent Netflix film, it's got Jason Momoa in it, how can you go wrong? Then, you know, you're not going to be disappointed. It is a good film. It is worth watching. Is it worth watching more than once? Probably not. However, this film has a history. This film is actually based on a comic strip that I believe is titled Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland or Little Nemo in Slumberland. It's one or the other because there's also a movie that's from like 1989, if I read correctly, called Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. But I want to say this, the, the comic it's based off is called Little Nemo in Slumberland. I think that's what it is. Now, what's Little Nemo in Slumberland? Well, Little Nemo in Slumberland is this comic strip from a hundred years ago. And I'm not even exaggerating when I say that. When I remember seeing the launch date, it said something like 1905. And that's how old this story is. It's written by a cartoonist whose name was Windsor McKay. Windsor McKay wrote this and it ran for about 20 years, also under the title of In the Land of Wonderful Dreams. This is not the first time it's been adapted into film. However, it is the first time it's been adapted into a live action film. And now that gives you a little bit more of appreciation for the idea that they're going all the way back that far to this idea of comic strips that are that old. They weren't even comic books. I'm literally saying comic strips, like from the comic strips in newspapers. If anybody that listens to this even knows what the fuck I mean when I say comic strips from newspapers, I used to get the comic strips from the newspapers so I could read the Garfield comics and the and the Peanuts comics. Those are the things I'm talking about. Those pages you get Sudoku puzzles on, the ones right after uh, the, 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 the movie theater times and the Zodiac sign bullshit. All of that shit. This is a hundred years old. One of probably one of the I don't want to say first, but definitely one of the more colorful of comic strips that were out for that point in time, I wanna say. Because it was just this really interesting idea. And it's an idea that's a hundred years old that we're still thinking is worth it now to make this movie. And not only this, we're also talking about the original sort of film that's um, from 1989 titled Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland. Now, what I should say is Little Nemo Adventures in Slumberland is strictly a Japanese film. It is, it is, um, I think they've made it into a musical in a way, but it was an animated film. And when you see like the cover of it, it looks straight up like it's an anime, it's an anime from the early, the early 80s 
um, mid eighties, late eighties, early nineties. Everybody knows who is fans of that stuff knows what that art style is. And this is straight up just this anime film that they just decided to do how it went from. They had the rights to make this in Japan and nobody decided to do it is beyond me. But now when you think about that, this is the first Americanized version of this story. Slumberland, it's based on an American comic strip that's only been done one other time across the world. On the other end of the world, they did it. And this is the first time we decided to do it. That's just tremendous to me. Like, just thinking about that. Thinking about the idea that this is a story that goes back that long. And they were able to modernize it and still make it where... Whatever the source material is, I don't fucking know the source material. I'm not going to sit here and try to dig through over 100-year-old fucking comic strips and try to make sense of the story. No, all I know is that this is based on what these comic strips were doing and the stories they were trying to tell. Now, when you go into it with that, there is vastly more appreciation for it. In my per- in my mind, in, in my perspective as a person who finds himself to be Uh, A storyteller, a person who appreciates storytelling, and a person who appreciates good, good filmography. To me, when they do something like this, they give something a chance that has not been done before. Because not everybody can write new scripts and new ideas. It just shows you that there are things out there. There are things out there we have not touched yet. There are things out there that we have not decided need another form of media in order for it to be adapted into. Before I closed out my um, YouTube channel for movies, it was called If Flicks Could Talk, which I have been considering bringing it back up. It's just it's really tough to make those videos. Um, I had written the script for... One of the videos, which was meant to be the idea of um, book-to-movie adaptations, because you always hear stories about movies that were based on books and novels, and sometimes if you go really deep, you can find out, you know, what authors feel about them, you know. A lot of the times, authors, you know, they want their stories to be made into movies, and some of the times they don't. There's a really great... um, a documentary out called Salinger about J.D. Salinger, the the author who famously wrote Catcher in the Rye. He hated Hollywood. Hollywood did one short story of his. He thought it was an abomination, and he never let anybody touch it ever again. So he put all of his shit in the vault, and Hollywood was never allowed to touch it. Even after he's dead, he has, like, I believe in his will, nobody is allowed to make a film about any of his movies. That's how much he hated Hollywood turning his stories into movies. And then there's people who love it. Anne Rice was a huge fan of Interview with a Vampire. She's she's the writer of the Lestat Chronicles, or the Vampire Chronicles, and the story of vamp- the, the vampire Lestat. And she loves it. She loves that movie. And I'm pretty certain she... Is Anne Rice still alive, actually? Let me do a quick look on that before I talk about what she feels, what she probably feels about the most, the the newest film, uh, TV show. Oh, she died last year. Oh, she died one. She died like a year ago, within like the next week or so. Ah, oh, okay. Well, I don't know if she would or wouldn't appreciate what they're doing with it now, but they're actually turning her stories into a TV series, which hopefully can go further into that because. The the vampire list at that whole story, the interview with a vampire series, 
it's like nine books long, I think. And I think you can do a better job at that in a show format. So, you know, she praised Interview with a Vampire with Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt. She loved it. She thought it was fantastic. You know, Stephen King, Stephen, almost everything about Stephen King has been done up the wazoo. He loves The Mist. He hates The Shining. There are so many things that he loves and hates about what Hollywood does, but he still allows them to make his movies. So when you're talking about authors and source material, all these stories that are out there, all these interesting novels and these interesting perspectives, they're all out there waiting to be picked up. And whoever it is that decided that this was the movie to get pushed forward and be turned into what is Slumberland with Jason Momoa... They found this in like like somewhere and turned it into what is Slumberland. They took this out of the depths. They 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 unraveled it in like a time capsule in like a high school's backyard, and they decided this was worth making this film. And I'm not even saying that like that's an impossible idea because the only other thing that's probable is somebody was born when this comic strip was in the um in the actual newspaper and they are still alive now and they really wanted to make this into a movie ain't nobody 115 years old working for netflix i'm gonna tell you that right now it also could just be that it's somebody who was born during that era loved those comics saved them showed them to his kid his kid grew up and now that's the person who's wanted to make a movie out of this I don't know. I don't really know the backstory about how this kind of was dug up from from the depths of comic strip history. But again, knowing that is has that kind of establishment, that real deep rooted sense of story, sense of background to it. It just makes me appreciate this movie even more. You know, that's that's really what I want to come to. Like, is the movie worth it? Yes. Is it worth watching? Yes. At least once. Maybe you'll find it unbearable and you can't handle it maybe you'll find it so wonderful you'll watch it every day for the next three months i don't know all i know is you got to appreciate the fact that they're trying harder they're getting stories from outside of the box and i hope i hope this does well enough to be an example of how that works and they do it more because i guarantee you there's more there to be dug up that you could make into high-quality, modernized films and television shows. I guarantee it.